Welcome to Flip the Switch on Life podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Marie. I'm an embodiment life coach here to help you live an empowered and soulful life. I guide women towards self-healing to take back their power so that they can start living life by their own rules and embrace their true authenticity. This podcast is your go-to where I will be giving you all the tools and resources to start the process of self-healing, doing the deep inner work, and developing your spiritual wellness. There is so much power in embodying your true self, but we often allow fear and comfortability control our lives, keep us playing small, and settling for less than we deserve. By learning to rewire your subconscious, you will discover your truest and your highest self. You will learn how to take back control and flip the switch on your life. So thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited to share all of this stuff with you guys today. Oof, we got a good episode with a good friend of mine, Joshua Maddox, and he is a lifestyle designer. He helps people create systems to master their energy and harness their focus so that they can awaken their dream lifestyle. Like, how badass is that? He's also a teacher of holistic wellness practices and the art of sacred masculinity. And we dive into all the things from misalignment and defining your own misalignment and really how his pain connected him to his purpose and really how being raised as an only child by the feminine by his mother and by his aunt really gave him a new perspective on where he needed to do the work on himself to strengthen his masculinity so that sacred masculinity is really an encompassed embodiment of the work he's been doing on himself and I really love this conversation because lifestyle by design starts with understanding and we don't always know who we are because we wear these identities. We wear the identity of who our parents think we should be. We wear the identity of who society thinks we should be. And then on top of that, we have to wear the identity of who we think we should be versus being our true selves and burying that deep down. So we really get into the nitty gritty of what it feels like to hide those parts of ourselves and what freedom actually means when we start to be our authentic self and how we get to find our purpose and recognizing the parts of ourselves that are just not free. And that's truly what designing your life looks like is by understanding who you are and what you came here to do and to be, most importantly, be. So stay tuned for this really powerful episode. Hello, Joshua. How are you today? I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to chat, especially like after our podcast we had a couple of weeks ago when I was on yours and I just got so fired up yes. and I, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, so I would just love to start with like who you are and what you do. And, you know, 
something that's been coming up for me as I've been having guests on the podcast is really talking about their own definition of success. So mm. I'd love to also hear a little bit more about your definition of success, and then we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty of our conversation. Yes. Well, first off, thanks for having me. And I really thoroughly enjoyed our conversation on my podcast and it got a lot of great responses. And so I'm happy to continue having a conversation with you here. Yes. Um, so yeah, we get that question a lot, right? Like, who are you? It's yeah. <laughs> uh, It's always been a weird question for me to to answer um because we typically answer it in this is what i do for a living you know that's that's where that's how we kind of define ourselves in so many ways by what we do for money mm -hmm. but um but for the sake of your listeners and everything I, i'll give you a background on me so i grew up in dallas i fell in love with movies at a very early age my my uncle was was a small time actor so i really got to see movies from all different perspectives and stories especially like i grew up loving being read stories by my aunt and reading my own stories and getting into harry potter and everything when that was big and something just drew me to filmmaking and mm -hmm. so i pursued that in in high school, we had a magnet program where we got to make little short films and things like that. And I ended up pursuing that in college as well. So I went to Emerson College in Boston uh, for, and I got a Bachelor of Arts in Film Production <laughs> and uh, a private art school that I couldn't afford, but I wanted to, I had this passion within me and my parents saw that and they believed in me and so they they supported me in that regard end up graduating from emerson and went out to la of course uh, as a film production major right <laughs> that's uh that's the idea that i had initially in my mind was be a be a film director out in hollywood working with actors doing that whole thing. i feel like la is you know, because I felt the same way with like pursuing fashion at the time where it was just like LA was like this big ooh ah space. And I don't want to discredit it because I think that there's so much opportunity in LA. But um, yeah, I think it always starts with a dream and it's following your heart to LA and then your dream starts to expand and evolve, which, you know, you're going to get into. But um, but yeah, that that's really amazing that you really honestly had a dream and a purpose and, and a passion at the time and you pursued it and you got out of your comfort zone to move far, far away because you were in Boston at the time, right? So you're like literally on the whole other side. Of whole other side. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And my dad's side, my dad and my dad's side of the family lived in Boston um, for you the majority of their life. Way, right? You just wanted to start producing movies out there or film. Right. Well, I had my, I had my uncle. The, who was the part-time actor he was still in LA and he was oh. doing some some writing out there so I had somebody okay. around um but yeah it was mostly just the people who I went to college with who also moved to LA those were the, mainly the people that I knew going there and so I mean a bit stereotypical I suppose in some regards but I I tried to 
make it in the film industry. I worked these odd jobs, like 15 hour a day jobs for pennies, getting fed, you know, Subway and Pizza Hut and things like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, ended up having a little bit of success as we started to, we started to make short films in our spare time, got into some film festivals, did the whole press junket thing. Um, and meanwhile, I was building my skills working at a nonprofit. So I actually took my film production skills. I applied them to the nonprofit space. I ended up adding, you know, graphic design, web design, all these different forms in my mind of storytelling. So these were other ways that I could tell a story beyond the silver screen mm -hmm. was through graphics, through the way a website uh, you know, uh, displayed information, um, through your social media channels. So I got that creative spark from those things as well. I had this idea of what I wanted to do while well, I was in LA. And after about four years there, I ended up getting that offer, that offer that I, that I so longed for after all the blood, sweat, and tears I had poured into this industry. I had gotten this offer for a gig and there was just this moment that struck me where I was just so burnt out. I realized that LA was not, or the film industry within LA, I should say, was not what I had expected. The groups that I was around and the type of person I had to be to mingle within these groups, I didn't like. I just felt this sort of soul, like my soul was being sucked out of me for, yeah. for this dream that I had. Yeah. And it, that was bothering me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I resonate with you, especially like in the fashion industry, it was definitely, you, you felt like you had to be somebody that you weren't. And at the time, which I'm sure you were in your twenties, um, and I was in my twenties, it was kind of like, okay, like let's, let's put on this like facade, which you didn't even sometimes know that you were doing to just be impressive or, you know, get a promotion and, and really like put yourself out there in so many ways. So it's like, as much as LA is like so empowering and so full of opportunity, there are little pockets where you have to kind of I think you you realize this after the fact, especially when you move there in your 20s, because you're just like, oh, yeah, the glitz and the glamour. I got to do what I got to do. But it, it it does really force you to say, like, OK, who are you choosing to play? So the fact that you were kind of at this place where you were rec recognizing that was probably a big turning point, which you're about to get into. Absolutely. And by the way, I was treating myself like crap. Mm. That was, that was like one of the biggest things that I started to recognize within myself was I didn't like myself. I didn't like the person I was becoming. I, I had terrible health habits, terrible diet. Um, Were you just like and, working crazy hours or was like, was there like a lot being asked from you? It was, it was working, working hours, doing things that didn't, that didn't fill my cup. Mm. you know, and I didn't have any practices outside of my work to fill my cup. So I ended up having these habits just to numb this, this sort of aching from my heart, from my soul of wanting to do something deeper, wanting to do something different and struggling mentally with, well, I just, 
went to college for this. I spent a ton of money that I didn't have that I'm going to be paying back for a long time. Like I can't, I can't give up. Like I don't, I'm not a person that gives up. Right. I, I, I stick things through. Um, but there just came this point at this moment when I got offered this job and all of these feelings started to come to me at once, mm-hmm. how I wasn't taking care of myself, how I wanted to do something deeper. The fact that, you know, I got into filmmaking and I loved it because I wanted to express these deeper stories mm-hmm. within me and like express the human experience. And I just wasn't finding that sort of outlet anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I had to make a decision. Do I, do I take this job that I wanted and stay here? This was around 2016. Or do I leave and everything that entails um, and, and just try and find myself, mm. really? And something within me was just like, you should leave. You, you know you want to leave. You're trying to convince yourself to stay, but you know you want to leave. Mm. So I, did, I ended up not taking the job and I quickly, I packed up and I left California uh, in 2016. And I wanted just to get out of my own way and do something completely different than what I was doing in LA. Um, and my dad's side of the family was in the restaurant industry back in Massachusetts where I went to college. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be part of the family business. I, you know, I can get a job and I can start making some money and just do something completely different than what I was doing before. So when, when you had that, you know, I really want to kind of highlight this part that you're at because I think a lot of us are facing or have faced really hard decisions where it's like, logically, it would have made sense for you to take the job, right? It would have made sense to say all your hard work has gotten to this place of now you get to fulfill this dream. And I think a lot of us have or are currently in this place of uh, duality or in this place of indecisiveness, because you are, are saying that you were in a place where you started to like, you were working so hard for something. Now the thing is here and you're like, Oh, well, I don't know if I want it. And yeah. you kind of dropped out of your mind and into your heart and say, well, actually this is not what I want. And you had no plan, plan B you had, you had no idea. All you just knew is what you didn't want. And I I think that that is so admirable and so courageous. And I believe everybody can get to that place to have the bravery and have the courage to get out of things that are out of alignment. Um, Mm -hmm. But you have to be willing to like bet on yourself. And is there any like any tipping point for you that was really like, this makes so much sense to say yes, but like, I have to say no, even though I'm diving into the unknown. Yeah. Well, like I said, it was just this, it was an amalgamation of so many different things happening at once. Um, I was, I got out of a relationship that I should have never been in, in the first place. And I only got into it because I, wanted something to do and I was lonely. Mm. And because of that, I couldn't show up 
in that relationship in any way that um, aligns with who I am on the inside. I was just completely numb. I didn't. I didn't respect this woman uh, because I didn't. I was not respecting myself. Like I said, I was having. I had these terrible habits, which led to this um, this deep depression within me that I didn't quite know what to do with. And so maybe being around someone else and, but that, that only exacerbated the problem and that she mirrored back to me, Oh, you, you don't love yourself at all. Like this is, Mm -hmm. this is not helpful. And, um, so I got out of that relationship knowing that, you know what, I cannot be in a relationship with someone else if uh i can't be in a in a healthy relationship with myself first yeah so it sounds like when this job offering came forth it was just kind of like cherry on top of oh whoa like this is actually a really big decision and i really need to take a big look at how i'm moving forward because if i do decide to say yes I'm really committing to this path that like is really showing face for me of what will happen if I take it. And I think that's so powerful because again, I think a lot of us know things are out of alignment and we have two decisions, but the decision that our heart wants, it feels challenging. It feels unknown. It feels, Mm. I don't even know the next step after this. And we stay in misalignment for so long and to, until it becomes a point of chaos until we explode or till we start creating resentment and, and do things that don't align with our integrity. Um, so I really think that's really, really highlighting here just how much, you know, like you mentioned, there were a few things coming up that you should have let go of, but it sounds like this big decision was just kind of like the the kahuna of like, oof, okay, like this right. is time to like actually put myself first and what does my heart want? Right. And I think it's important to note too, that pursuing my dream that I thought I wanted was part, was, was how I got to realize what mm. I didn't want. Mm you know, and like, that's part of the journey. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I want to get, I want to work out so that I can get a attractive partner, Yeah, which is fine on the, on the surface level. And you start working out and you start better yourself, but you, you slowly get to that point with, oh, there's a real deeper meaning behind my wellness and my care that, that far exceeds uh, the partner I'm with, you know? Or it could also be the opposite where it's like you work so hard, you look a certain way and you're still not being accepted. That's, that's kind of my, my journey was like, I want to work out at a bodybuilding competition and deep, 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 deep down. It was like, I wanted to prove myself. I could do it. That's great. And then the other part was like, well, if I look a certain way, men will want to be with me. Right. Like, well, I'm here now. No one wants to be with me. So what Uh is it about myself? Right. Right. So it's, it's really, a, I love what, again, you're, you're also saying here is sometimes we have to do things and realize and figure out those are the things we don't want to do. That'll get us closer to the things that we do want to do. Um, and it's just, it's a really powerful place. So, um, 
once you got to Boston, you started working for uh, your family's restaurant. Yeah. And then did you yes. kind of get more inspired by kind of like getting your hands into other things that could help you kind of think about what you want to move, move into, or what did that look like after? Oh, it was horrible. Actually, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had to, I, I, I went into a deep depression actually, mm. um, which once again, uh, looking back was exactly what I needed. I needed to give up everything. I needed to give up what I thought I knew to be true about myself and about the way I saw the world, mm. which is a form of death, right? We're, we're, uh, we're letting our a part of ourselves die, which is an aspect that as humans, we're uncomfortable with on a literal level and on these other, like, uh, uh, other levels as well these other forms of dying and, and transitioning. Right. And so I kind of went through this death process that people go through um, where I just, I gave up on everything and I fell into this complete surrender. You know what? I don't know what, what's true about myself or what's what I know to be true about the world anymore. I realized that I was living that my personality and who I showed up in the world as was a collection of my parents was a collection of the teachers of society what i thought other people wanted me to be mm -hmm. and just realizing that was was very depressing yeah you know because then i'm like okay well i know that that's not me who am i mm. so this period in my life where I was, you know, working, working this job, I was bartending, I was serving, which was good because I was on my feet. I was, I was interacting with people a lot. I wasn't just alone in a hermiting in a dark cave or something. So I was around people and everything, but it really just gave me this opportunity to explore what, who am I? What do I like to do? What kind of music do I like to listen to? How do I want my hairstyle to look like how, what's my fashion really like when I'm not trying to be someone else where I'm not trying to fit in all these aspects were like slow building blocks for me to start um, connecting with my true self. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there came a point when I remember distinctly, I, I had a lot of back pain. And I, I was always kind of just, I felt like an old man because of all these bad habits that I had previously. And I tried to touch my toes one day and I couldn't, like my back wouldn't bend that much. Wow. And that, that moment for me was like, oh, you, if you continue down this path of treating your, your inner world, your body, the way that you're treating it, um, you're going to take years off your life. And so that what led me to going to the gym and starting to better my body. Um, and from the gym, that led me to a bunch of other wellness practices, meditation, um, you know, just eating better, um, exploring that stuff. Um, and again, just building these blocks of like, who is the person 
that I want to express myself as authentically. Yeah. And again, it's like giving yourself the opportunity to explore. Um, I love what you said. And we touched on this on the last podcast about, you know, if <laughs> you don't know your purpose, society will provide it for you or the way that yes. you up or who you think it's like, we have these three personas and it's like the first persona is society, right? Or I, we could say who, who like, as we're growing up, who our caregivers or our parents want us to be. So that's, that's mass number one identity. Right. Identity number two is who society thinks you should be, right? Yes. And really belittling your own beliefs and your own opinions. And then that mass number three is who we think we should be. And we, right. we kind of really bury our true self underneath and being in a space of self-exploration and really getting yourself out of your own depression is really empowering. And it is really a, what is the word I'm looking for? It, it sounds like it was a very healing opportunity mm. for you to take back your own power. Mm. It's something that, you know, I say to my clients, I, I really feel very strong in this is that you are your, you're, you are the only one that can do the work on yourself. You are the only mm. one that can change your life. You can have abundance around, you can have support, you can have the, the best healers, you can have everything at your fingertip, but you have to be the one that chooses something different. And right. it's, it's really a space of like, how are you going to show up? Even if you don't have it figured out, you're going to dive deeper into finding your purpose and your passion and keep going. And, you know, with the thing that you mentioned of like, that got you into other wellness practices, which I want to start diving into now. Yes. And I know that you mentioned, um, you know, when you were being raised by a lot of women, I want to ask you a little bit more context. How was it growing up? Um, you were the only boy, right? In yes, only father. child of my yeah. mother and father. Yeah. Okay. So, and you mentioned, you know, being raised by the feminine and and how that kind of shaped your life. But I, I'm really curious to hear a little bit of how how that dynamic was now that you were at this place that you were, which was that depressive state, trying yes. to figure yourself out who in, and all of that. And, and how did that kind of shape your thought processes? And then, you know, getting into the wellness practices, which we'll kind of dive into in a second. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So to back up from that, from that moment of, of getting out of my depressive state, I was raised. Um, so my dad uh, left when I was two years old. Uh, mm -hmm. He moved to Boston. So I was raised by my mom and my aunt who was around. I had another aunt who was outside of the house uh, who, and I had a cousin as well, who was uh, a girl. So all women all the time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which um, I mean, you know, and, and of course they had their own traumas and issues that they were working with, you know, um, and especially being raised by a single mom and, and all of the, the, the challenges that comes with that. 
but I was very comfortable around that feminine energy because that's what I was used to. I, I would see the the tides and the waves and it was just, that was normal to me. And it was fascinating to me um, as a boy. And so I was actually magnetic to girls from a very young age, like, uh, like in kindergarten. I, you know, they, girls just wanted to be around me. I didn't, I couldn't quite contextualize, obviously, everything that that entailed or, but I remember asking my mom if I, when we were at like Toys R Us, if I could, can I get some Barbies? And, and my mom was like, yeah, sure. You want to get some Barbies? It's like, go for it, you know? Um, but the reason I wanted to get Barbies was no, because I knew the girls. You, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my reasoning. Like, oh, the, the, if I have, bring the Barbies to school, the girls are going to want to play with me and I can be around the girls. Genius. You know? <laughs> right. Which, you know, to an outsider perspective, they can have a completely different idea of what that, that could mean. Right. Okay. And so I grew up with this very be, being raised as a boy, slowly growing into a man. I had this, I had this unique interpretation of what that meant, what masculinity meant, like connection to the feminine, mm. that balance. And so when, so when hormones and everything started to kick in, you know, junior high and high school, like I couldn't act that way anymore. Like people just thought I was weird or like thought other things. Um, and, and so I like quickly had to um, put on another mask basically, and hide those parts of myself in order to fit in. Um, and so I became a lot shyer around girls. I didn't know how to act around them anymore when from a young age, I was very comfortable around them. But then society said, no, that's weird. Or the way I was acting was weird. So I didn't know what to do anymore. So I just kind of was this shy kid who just wanted to be a wallflower and didn't really talk much. Mm. And looking back, how do you feel like things played out? I'm assuming um, you mentioned that your dad left when you were two. Do you feel like it affected you not having like a masculine figure growing up? Oh, 100%. 100%. And I got to see my dad every summer right? We spent the summers together. I've always, you know, I was lucky to, even though I was in a broken family, quote unquote, both, both parents were so loving. And so, and I know that's very rare yeah. in that regard, but um, not having that consistent masculine presence in my life, a hundred percent affected me. And I didn't quite, I couldn't quite balance out that side of myself. I found myself living in the flow most of the time and not knowing how to actually take all these ideas that I get and actually start building them and start learning these, these skills. Um, and so, and so, yeah, that had a huge effect on me that I had to work on much later in my life. Once I got into this sort of work, this mm -hmm. deep work. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I feel that, you know, we all have some sort of trauma in our family dynamics, whether that's being raised like my, myself too, I'm an only child and I was raised by my mom and 
a lot of other women. So I didn't have like a super healthy masculine figure and soon realized later how much that did affect me. Um, and I think it's really a, again, coming back to like courage and bravery to kind of take this bird's eye view and say, okay, these are the things that I didn't really contextualize. I didn't really have the resources of how can I start giving that to myself? Um, and I think that's where we kind of come back to like reparenting ourselves and, mm-hmm. and reparenting those parts of ourselves. Cause I think when, no matter, I think male or female, right. We both have masculine and feminine energies towards right. us within us. And they're both really important as we are growing up. So I think that when we don't have that specific masculine figure in our life, it is, it's kind of, sometimes you're so deeply in the flow or for women. And I'm sure maybe not as much for men, but I feel like for women, we sometimes take on that, like really intense Uh, structure into I'm an independent woman. I can do everything myself. And then it's like, Oh, wait, I have this hard shell on and I can't allow my, my, my feminine to, to soften. But then it's also like all of these lack of structures, containers, protections that the, the masculine can provide us for even when we t- when we're specifically talking about success, it can be very challenging. I think for both men and women that don't have a healthy masculine figure to sometimes put things into fruition and get them out there. Yes, and you know, there's that. I don't know if you heard of uh, that guy uh, Jocko Jocko Willink, um, but he's he, he's like this ex Navy SEAL guy, but. Uh, he he has a book called uh, Discipline Equals Freedom, mm. and that's uh, and that's some that's that's one that I had to really think about for a while. You know, like discipline equals freedom. Like what's my idea of you know a lot of our ideas of freedom is just frolicking through a through a forest without any <laughs> any sure. worries at all. Any yeah, uh, not a worry in the world or care in the world, and that that really isn't what freedom is. Um, we need structure in order to have that freedom or else we, we don't know how to even explore that freedom in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I resonate with that so much and having the discipline again comes from having the healthy masculine or the divine masculine within our own selves to make those decisions. Mm. Um, so now I want to kind of shift our conversations a little bit because you mentioned a lot about wellness practices that you picked up. We're going to start getting a little bit more into like your purpose that you've now found and, and passion. Um, so I kind of want to dive a little bit into this, the, the inner work and everyone hears this word, oh, just do your inner work or the inner work. Right. And really truthfully, the inner work is healing yourself from your past pain or the lack of the reparenting part, right? We're all, we, we didn't deserve the way that we've grown up or, or the traumas that have happened to us, but it's our responsibility to heal ourselves. And I truly feel at my core, and I know Joshua, you feel the same, that you don't really get to discover who you are or your passion or purposes until you start 
reflecting and looking in within yourself and saying, getting, I love to use the word curiosity, curiosity of the belief systems, curiosity of the identities that you've Mm. picked up unconsciously by society and by the way that we've grown up and who you think you are. And I know that you're really, really, really passionate about constantly doing your personal development work. And I would just love to ask you a little bit more of, you know, how that work has really connected you with your passion and your purpose. Mm. Great questions. Um, I've always been a really contemplative person. Um, I've always been quiet, not talking as much, not talking for the sake of talking. That was always something that bothered me in groups. It was just people who were just talking just to fill air. Mm. And it was like, uh, I'll say something if, if there's something I think that's worthy of being spoken, you know, which isn't always the easiest thing to even, uh, articulate, especially at a younger age. Um, so I've always been a very contemplative person and especially with my foray into filmmaking and screenwriting, like writing, writing was such a big, big practice of mine. So having those journals, just writing anything that comes to mind, stream of consciousness, writing, writing down your dreams. That's really how I started to take stuff out of my head. That's just I mean, because my head is a, it's a circus up there, Mm. you know, and we can create some order and structure in that circus. If we just can take out some of that energy, some of that psychic energy and put it on paper, put it, uh, you know, wherever on, on a screen, what have you, just so there's more room for other thoughts and ideas to emerge. And it's not constantly cluttered in there. Um, so writing to me has been a life-changing practice, just personal writing. Um, and I've always been someone who enjoys silence, appreciates silence, which wasn't, which actually was a, uh, <laughs> was a point of conflict in one of my past relationships, mm-hmm. um, is that I just, I just have nothing to say and I just want to be around you. I just don't want to necessarily speak. And a lot of times people take that internally as, oh, if you're not saying something, you must be thinking something, thinking something bad about me or whatever. It's just this, you know, this uh, never ending spiral. But um, so writing and meditating, learning how to meditate was huge for me uh, in developing my focus in developing a quieter mind so that ideas and epiphanies can come to me so that I can start connecting different areas of my life together and finding deeper meaning within them. Um, But it was actually the, the, the working out because I had so much of this energy just stuck within me. And that led me to being a bitter person that led me to being a Scrooge and just like finding the negative and everything like bad posture. Um, I had this really just dense energy within me that didn't have a place to go. And so 
starting to develop a, a consistent movement practice, in my case, it was strength training to start, helped actually loosen up some of that pent up energy and um, allowed it to express itself because there was so much pent up anger and sadness and you know these these negative emotions and through working out um, that's how i was able to have a lot of those that energy um, disperse from me and um, start to become a bit freer and uh, calmer because that's something especially as men too that we deal with is this this constant um we don't know a lot of us don't know how to slow down and that's just men and women um you know i'm just speaking as in my experience as a man and observing other men is there's this this constant tension um and a lot of men really don't know how to relax that tension and uh, that can lead to all sorts of problems <laughs> in in all different uh, areas of our lives. Mm. And I'm going to come back to that when you mentioned for men that creates a lot of problems. Um, but I, I want to, so for you, it was working out was a sense of release. And I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people can, you know, relate to that, but when you mentioned these wellness practices, and I know that you, um, I think it was like, right, this is just from a personal conversation we had. I think it was like right after the, um, after you declined the job in LA, you decided to go on a men's retreat and that was really life-changing for you. And you started to, um, you got into energy work and cultivating your own energy. What do you feel like for you, since we're kind of now in the topic of inner work and why that is literally the most important thing that you could ever do on yourself when you're stuck and you're stagnant or you're feeling in misalignment, what do you feel was a big turning point for you with, with understanding um, and getting deeper into your personal development and maybe your spiritual practices too, your wellness practices? Yeah. So the men's retreat actually came uh, much later Okay. Um, that was, uh, after I, I was working, uh, I was already back in Dallas. Um, and I was working at a job at a uh, startup company. Mm. I, I, I kind of, you know, startups have their obviously pros and cons with that. And, um, you know, funding ended up running out and I kind of knew it was coming and also subconsciously called that in. And so, I ended up being let go. And a week later, I had the opportunity to go on a men's retreat. And the, I had been doing work on myself and transforming myself inside and out for like, a, you know, close to three years at this point. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to go on a men's retreat. Uh, also to be around other just men for a longer period of time, because that's something that I had not experienced as much, especially growing up being raised being raised by women. Um, so to see like how I would be received in a group of men as someone who has been doing the work and connecting with my masculinity more. Um, and yeah, that was a profound experience. And it was centered around the practices of Qigong, which is a, an ancient uh, Chinese movement practice. And 
why I love Qigong is because I've been doing strength training for a long time and strength training is great. It's a very masculine form of energetic work, basically. Mm -hmm. And I got to connect with this practice, this ancient Chinese practice called Qigong, um, which is very flow oriented. It's not about tensing your muscles. It's about complete surrender to the flow of energy within your body and around you and connecting with the energy of the earth, um, connecting deeper with your own energies. And so that practice really helped me combine um, the masculine and the feminine side uh, mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, and and you, okay, yeah. <laughs> energetic. So once you were on this retreat and you started to start practicing Qigong, were there any other practices that kind of started to open your mind and expand your level of consciousness so that, because once we start going into like the work that you're doing, which is really around creating alignment um, and specifically working with men, do you feel that had a significant impact on yourself and um, your purpose that was slowly starting to connect with you? Right. So it, I was still to a degree struggling with this masculine side of myself. Mm. Um, I had, I had transformed my body. I had done a lot of the things I looked more like quote unquote, uh, a masculine man, so to speak. And there was still a part of me that, that was struggling with focus, that was struggling with attention, that was just still up in the clouds, thinking these big ideas and not knowing how to bring them down, how to create structure in my life. And Qigong uh, really helped me in this regard, as far as, as, realizing that focus is a skill that we can all cultivate um, and that leads to so many great things in all, in all these different areas of our lives you know being more present in our relationships uh, being more present in our work that we're doing um, having be, having clarity through contemplation on what our purpose is. Um, because I know for me as a man and as someone who grew up around women, when I got into a relationship, the, the girl, that was my number one priority. Like I just wanted to be, you know, I just wanted to uh, worship her and that made me happy. Mm. And as, as you start to mature, I realize that, well, that's great, but what really takes you from being like a man to like a king, that king energy is when your number one is you're committed to your purpose. Mm. You're committed to uh, birthing. Yeah. Yes. yeah, you're committed to building your kingdom, right? Alongside your queen. Yeah. And and giving her everything she needs, but number 1 is always you and your purpose. Yeah. Fuck yeah. 
I, I really resonate with you. Um, again, coming back to, you know, when we talk about relationships or independence, you know, I think when we in general, when we as humans sometimes get into relationships, we really make that all about the other person. And even like as a mother or as a, as a father, sometimes we always put our kids in front of ourselves and time and time again, truthfully, you have to start putting yourself before anybody, because if you're not taking care of, how can you take care of somebody else? Um, so when you were, you know, having these awakenings and this expansion within your own self, how did you start finding your purpose? And, you know, I know that you're getting into a space where you want to like lead other men and you want to help yeah. other men systemize their personal development and their spiritual awakening journey and really create more consciousness collectively as a man, um, which mm. is wow, so needed. Um, but I would love to start hearing, you know, what really kind of flipped the switch for you when you were like, oof, okay, like this is, this is my calling. So I think we, <laughs> we overcomplicate what our true calling is in that we, we look for something outside of ourselves to give us an answer to that question. Yeah. And in reality, what I found was my calling, the way that I can help other people, other men, other uh, men and women in a greater community is through my own pain and struggles. How did I overcome those, those struggles in my life? So I, I've, I've spoken to you earlier about my struggles, just like having to give up who I was, didn't know who I was, had no clarity around that, started to build myself in these different areas of my life. Um, you know, mind, body, and spirit. Rediscover who you are. Remember. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so what is my purpose? The, my purpose is I went through that pain in order to help other people, mm. in order to help people get there faster, in order to help people realize, oh, they're, you're not alone in this. Like everyone, everyone deals with this to a degree. Here's my personal journey of how I've been able to overcome some of these different challenges in my life, you know, and um, combining my own, you know, unique skills and skill sets that I learned along the way and in the workplace and what have you, putting that together with my own story and my own experience. So it kind of comes full circle for me. I wanted to go and in, in, uh, to Hollywood to tell stories about the human experience, but it was really, I had to live my own story mm. in order to, to speak it. Mm. That's powerful. Mm. Yeah. Covering yourself from a blank slate, letting it all go and allowing yourself to be in the space of nothingness, allowing yourself to be without everything to then rediscover who you are. Wow. That's so powerful. And, uh, mm. I resonate a lot with that too. Last year was a very similar space of nothingness. It's like, who is Jessica? Who does she get yes. to be? What does she want to create? And 
yeah, I think we always look, look for things outside of ourselves until we have to sit in that discomfort, our pain to breed our purpose. That's but right. From pain yeah. to purpose. From pain and to always, purpose. I mean, you look at every, every one of our stories, there's some sort of pain to purpose story and what they're doing now and how, what they're offering to the world. Yeah. Um, and everybody has a unique story to share every, uh, no matter how you think about yourself, mm-hmm. you can think you're the most boring person on the planet, but to someone else, you're inherently fascinating mm-hmm. and, and to give other people the gift of sharing your story. That's what I really, at a deeper level, that's what I want to express to the world is that everyone has a story to share and sharing your story is also part of your healing journey. Mm. Um, so not only are you helping other people, but you're helping yourself as well when you do that. Ugh. And then my last like question or two for you is for anyone, everyone listening and they're feeling misaligned, whether male or female, doesn't matter. If you're feeling misaligned and what is first, what is one thing that you would have them do to get out of or to get back into alignment? And then number two, what's your definition of success? Mm. Good questions. So anyone out there, if you're feeling misaligned, you're feeling that for a reason um, and it's a valid reason. Your, your body is sending you a message. Um, your subconscious is sending you through a message, uh, you a message through your body and those feelings and realizing that that is uh, like allow yourself to feel those feelings mm. and express them in some way. I've talked about writing, but also dance is a huge way to move through those feelings. Some sort of movement practices, like I have my Qigong practice. I enjoy dancing myself, taking a walk, like getting that energy to move through you will help create clarity. Mm. Um, and then and then writing whatever comes to mind, like not having a an agenda for what you're writing, but just sitting down. And even if it's just starting to like, write, I don't know what I'm supposed to write. I'm writing right now, you know, just letting that process play itself out. Um, it's, it's a process called automatic writing and it's incredibly helpful. And you'll find yourself writing things that you don't know where it came from. It just sort of came out of you. And that's another th- way that, um, can help you create clarity in your life. Mm. And as far as what, what my definition of success is, mm. to me, true success is when who you are becoming is more important than what you're doing mm, being where you where you're being where you're enjoying 
you're thoroughly present and enjoying the journey, not to get to a certain point, but to just enjoy, bask in that process, in that journey. Um, that's what true success means to me. Oof. Oof. Fire. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Because truthfully, when we are living from our heart's desires, prosperity will come. That's right. You just got to allow it to come. <laughs> oh my God. We, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's really, really powerful. Um, ah, so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your energy and your story. I know it's going to mm -hmm. resonate so many women and also men that listen to this podcast. Um, mm. So Joshua, where can we connect with you? Are you working on anything that we can get involved with? Give us the deets. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at mad.awakening, mad.awakening. And I also have my own podcast, which I know you're very familiar with being a guest on it, the Mad Awakening podcast, which is available on Spotify and Apple Music. Aim to have a podcast episode every week. That's the plan. That's the plan. Um, it's moving along. But um, I'm also have a couple of offers in the works that will be launching on March 27th centered around creating clarity around your own self-development practices. It's complete systemization that will just, uh, that you'll fall in love with. And it's a system that you can use for the rest of your life. And it's a system that I wish I had um, a few years ago. And so I'm so excited to offer that. It's going to be called the Lifestyle Design Lab. You can follow me on uh, Instagram for more details about that. And I also have a free um, visualization MP3 for connecting with your embodied self. This is something that really helped me on my beginning my journey into understanding who this person is that I want to become in the first place. And so that's free. That's also on my social as well, if you'd like it. Oof. Heck yes. All of this will be in the show notes, of course. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you, Joshua, so much. Everyone go connect with him and uh, sign up for that wait list if you have one for this yes. new program that you're launching. I'm really excited for the for the launch Thank date you. on the 27th, you said? Yes, yeah. uh, March 27th, yes. Ah, that's so amazing. Ah, well, thank you so much for being here. I really got my cup filled up today. And <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flip the Switch on Life. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you appreciate the show, please jump over to iTunes, give us some stars. If you're feeling for it, write a review. And if you want to learn more about these topics that we discussed today, check out the show notes for more information, or you can also come hang out, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Instagram is Jessica Marie Step, and I will see you guys next week.